This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, how are we doing today? Doing all right? So fine. Super Bowl Sunday is just never on my radar because I'm not a big sports person, but I love the food and the commercials, so I get excited, but I'm always like, oh yeah, who's playing? I, I think it's, who's playing? Rams? And yeah, Cincinnati. Phil told me Cincinnati, and I thought of Chile. That's how I made the connection, because again, food. So, all right. So, may your team win, or the team you don't like lose, whatever that means for you today. But it's always, always fun to show up on a Super Bowl Sunday to see who the real committed people are, right? Because you're here. Some of you are online, and we still love you. Uh, but this is a good morning. It's a good morning. Well, today we're wrapping up this series we started at the beginning of the year, taking a look at some heroes, a, a guy, Daniel, and some of his friends. And I hope you've been blessed and encouraged if you've been a part of the series for any length of time. It's amazing what we can learn as we look at the lives of those who've gone before us. And, and we see that they had their own issues and their own struggles. And though there's a lot of time and distance between us and them, man, being human is being human, isn't it? And seeing how they wrestled with their journey, and yet they did incredible things. They influenced their culture and their kingdom by being faithful to God. And there's so much encouragement that we can find in their stories. And so that's why we've been diving in and taking a look at it. Because when I look at their lives, I, I think like these were stories were recorded because they, they lived a great life. They did amazing things. And, and I think I, I would hope that that would be true of my life and my story. Like, like, how many of you would love to experience something great or do something great or continue doing something great with your life? And yet, have you noticed it's not always easy? Like, have you ever endeavored to do something really incredible and you were so excited about it, and yet as you got into it, you realized it got kind of difficult or challenging? What did you do? Yeah, some of you are like, I don't know, I'm still figuring it out, right? My family growing up, we would go to Yosemite National Park almost every summer my whole life. And I remember this one year, I'm, I'm in my late teens or early 20s, and a group of us, my brother and some of his friends, we decided we wanted to hike to the top of Half Dome. I don't know if you've ever been there or seen Half Dome in the valley. It's beautiful. It's one of these this majestic places. Like if I were to think of where's God's cathedral on earth, I think of Yosemite Valley. And I love going to that place. And so we decided, okay, let's go and do this incredible hike. It's before you had to do all the stupid past things that are in place now, but, you know, it's okay. Um, I'm not bitter about that at all. But we, we decided we're going to do this hike. Now, it's 8.2 miles to the top of Half Dome from the valley floor. You gain elevation of several thousand feet. The cool thing about it is it's just a hike. You don't need to be like a rock climber or Spider-Man or anything to do it. And it's intense, though. And so we, we committed to do this as a group of friends. And so we're hiking and we're hiking and enjoying it. And it's going beautifully. And then you get to this moment where you're just about to go to the top of Half Dome. And you've got to go up these cables. So I don't know if you've ever done it or not. But these cables are pretty intense. If you've got any fear of heights like me, it's a little intense. Because it's literally you on an almost feels like vertical incline with these metal cables that the Park Service put in. And you're like, how old are these cables? Is this going to hold up? And I remember one year going up halfway and I saw a squirrel just scampering along. And he kept scampering until he just kind of went off the side. And I'm like, I don't think that was a flying squirrel. This is, that's now a pancake squirrel. Like, it's not going to go well. And so that day we get to that point. We've literally hiked 8.1 miles of the 8.2 miles hike. And we're staring up at the cables and we're kind of psyching ourselves up to go. And then we look at our friend Rich, 
And he's looking at the cables literally like this. Like just taking steps back. And so we're like, Rich, no, no, come on. It's going to be there. It's like when you get to the top, you have this panoramic view of the most beautiful landscape in the world. You're literally breathless in the clouds. It is glorious and wonderful. Don't back down. We will go up these cables with you. We'll walk in front of you. We'll walk behind you. If you slip and fall, we'll let your family know. Like, we'll go with you. Like, it's going to be okay. And I remember him just staring at it, and his face was growing pale. And I just was like, what's he going to do? Daniel's going to face a situation like that today. We're going to see this moment in his life and in his story where, where it's going to cost him to be faithful to God. And there's this moment where you're like, what is going on in the story that we're going to see? And I want to take a look at this because I think there's something really important that we can learn for our stories. Because I don't know about you, where you're at in your journey of faith, if you're just exploring or checking things out, which is awesome if you're here, we're so glad that you're with us. Or maybe you're, you're like, no, I, I've been doing this for a while, but there will come a moment where it's going to get intense if you're really going to want to do the life God has for you. And so we're going to take a look at what we got. We're going to jump into this final story in Daniel chapter 6. And so there's this new king that's in place, this guy Darius, he's taken over, so he kind of wiped out the old king, and Daniel kind of warned the old king, and the old king didn't listen, and so Darius is now king, and, and we're going to see that God is still working through Daniel's life. And so this is what we see as we jump into Daniel 6, that Darius the Mede, this is the new king, decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high official to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. And Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. I love this about Daniel. I mean, here's a guy that just said, God, I, I, got, a bad, I got a bad deal. When this whole thing started. I mean, I was taken prisoner and forced to serve in this land. But instead of just giving up on them, I'm going to give my best. And God seemed to always bring him to the place where he could have incredible influence in a kingdom and a culture that could care less about him. So Daniel's stock is on the rise once again. But check out what happens. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Isn't it interesting what jealousy will cause you to do? I mean, here, here's these guys. Instead of being so grateful that Daniel's doing a good job, they look at him and they're like, that should be me. And so they're actually trying to figure out how do we take him out? It's always interesting that for some people, seeing the greatness in another person makes them feel small. And that's what's going on with these guys. And yet as they're trying to figure out a way, how can we get Daniel out? They, they can't because he's... He's a stand-up guy. He's doing a good job. And so their challenge now is how do we get him in trouble? And so they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Like this is a guy that, that has his own faith. He doesn't follow our ways. He does his own thing. So maybe we can get him in trouble by this thing that he's really committed to in his life. So they're going to try and set him up. And so the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. Okay, that's, i.e., they're just buttering him up. <laughs> We're all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, 
any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So what do you do if you're the king? That sounds good to me. And so the king signed it in the law. Now what do you do if you're Daniel? Because if you're Daniel, you know there's only one God. And you only pray and worship that God. And so now this edict is going to be dropped that's going to force him to be in trouble if he chooses to do it. What do you do? Like, God, that great things are happening in my life. Like, I'm having influence in this kingdom, and now suddenly to continue pursuing you is going to get me in trouble. What do you do? So, I mean, I think easily Daniel could have just said, like, I'm just going to go dark for 30 days, God. Like, I'll, I'll find you on the other side. But I love Daniel because Daniel's faithfulness to God is the most important thing in his life. So this is what happens. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he signed a petition and protested and tried to have the king overthrown. Oh, wait, I'm reading the wrong Bible. Sorry. (laughs) No, he doesn't do this. This is amazing what we see Daniel doing here. He doesn't protest. He doesn't fight against it. He just quietly chooses to be faithful. So he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he as he'd always done, giving thanks to his God. God, I'm going to still praise you. I'm going to still worship you, because I know you're God, no matter what's happening around me. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So it's interesting, they knew this would be happening, because they knew Daniel. His faith wasn't a secret. He wasn't hiding it in some, some closet. He's like, I, I follow this God, and I, I really like this God. So they know that they can go find him and get him in trouble. And so they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who praises anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. And then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. And hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. And I love this. Even though he doesn't share Daniel's faith, he understands how valuable Daniel is. Wouldn't that be awesome if that was our reputation in our world? That people knew us as being valuable because of our faithfulness to God that flowed through our lives into the world around us? And so here's Darius like, oh no, (laughs) not him. I need to protect him. And so he's trying to figure out a way. And so he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. But in the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. And so here's the dude who's in charge, who's now powerless. Maybe power isn't as important as we think, huh? And so at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal in the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. And and I just got to say, as I I read through the story, now I've grown up with it, so I know where it's going, but kind of as I even read it again fresh, I get to this point in the story and I'm kind of upset. Like I'm, I'm kind of put off. I'm kind of bothered by what I'm seeing here. I struggle with this because... 
why is it that Daniel gets in trouble for doing the right thing? Like, it doesn't it seem like, like if he's going to be faithful to God, if he's going to serve God, if he's going to do what God wants, then doesn't it seem like things should go well for him? I mean, you look at the legacy of this man. I mean, he, he got a bad deal. Like, he was taken captive. He was forced to serve in a pagan kingdom. He was forced to study all things wicked and evil. And he still got top marks because he's like, I'm going to serve God and serve this kingdom despite itself. And he's been faithful to Babylon, serving God in Babylon and changing the course of the kingdom his entire life. And then here he is near the end of his life, and he's going to get thrown into a den of, di- a, a, a den of lions. And I wrestle with this, and just because I look at this, and it it causes me to ask the question, well, what about my story? Like, God, I wrestle with this because if I'm going to be faithful to you, if I'm going to follow you, shouldn't it go well for me? Have you ever wrestled with that? Like, God, if we're following you, if we're doing what you want, doesn't it seem like if we do the right thing, doesn't it seem like if I'm living my life the best I know how to be faithful to you, Things should go well for us. But how many of you have been around the block long enough to know that's not always the case? Yeah. Like I remember in junior college taking this course and having this very outspoken, angry professor who didn't like people that held my faith. And I just remember one day in the class, he's just tearing this dude apart in another class for being one of those Jesus people. And he's just like making fun of him and destroying him. And, and I just kind of felt like this kind of conviction inside of me. Like, like, I don't know who that guy is, but like he's, he's in my family of faith. And maybe I can gently kind of stand up for him. And so I just kind of shakingly raised my hand. And I remember the person was like, what? I'm like, hey, I just, I just want to say like what, whatever you're saying about that guy, like I, I believe those things too. And, and I, don't, I don't know if everything you're saying is actually right about what people like us believe. And I wasn't being a jerk. I was just being kind and gentle. And in my mind, I'm like, and God, you're going to honor this, and he's going to come to faith in you, and we're going to have a revival in the classroom, and it's going to be great. And Let me tell you, that became the toughest class after that moment. But God, I thought I was doing the right thing. And some of you know that story. Some of you experience it. Maybe in your journey, like Jesus is getting a hold of you and your life and making good changes, and he's changing how you think about life and changing the choices that you're making and And it's going so well as you follow him. But there's people in your life, like maybe good friends around you, that are like, why are are you not doing what we do anymore? Why are you not hanging out? Why why are you doing different things with your story? And they kind of think you're dumb or they're kind of picking on you for it. Or maybe in your own family, Jesus is transforming you from the inside out. And, And generational dysfunction is falling off of you because you're getting healthy in what Jesus is doing. And yet you may have your own family that are like, Stop. Because misery loves company. And when one person gets healthy, it brings out the truth of the whole system, doesn't it? And people don't always like that. And you're like, but Jesus, if I'm following you, if I'm being faithful to you, shouldn't it have a positive impact in my life? And yet that is not always the case. And see, there's something powerful in the story that we see. There's a truth that I think we oftentimes miss, a truth that surprises us when we encounter it. And here it is. Sometimes living for God leads us into the lion's den. Man, I did not get that memo when I signed up for this club. 
You know, like I was like, hey, it's going to be so great, and life's going to go awesome, and it's just going to be like this happy musical, and <laughs> not always the case. And I think like, why? Why is this the case? God, why is it that sometimes being faithful to you will actually lead us into trouble with this world? And a simple answer is because the things that God desires for us and the things the world desires are not in agreement. Like we live in a world that's chasing after its own self, its own its own view of God, its own self-identity, and that often puts us at odds with the world because of what we're discovering about the truth and who God is. And we have to wrestle with that reality. And yet the reality is that this, this shouldn't surprise us if we've been paying attention to who Jesus is and even the things that Jesus said about himself and what it would mean if we actually were to take him seriously and begin to follow after him. I mean, listen to what Jesus says about this idea in John 15, 18 through 19. This is Jesus talking. Listen to this. He says, if the world hates you, and I'm like, time out, wait, what? <laughs> the, no, I like the, this is, what do you mean if the world hates me? Just like, let me, let me finish. <laughs> if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. So John, who's recounting this conversation that he had with Jesus, if you go to the very beginning of his, his account of life of Jesus in John 1, he says that the true light of the world, Jesus was coming into the world, and yet the world couldn't comprehend it. John says that his very own people are the ones that would reject him. And this is what Jesus experienced. And so he says, remember that they hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. All right, who's in the club? Who's like, this is the sales pitch? <laughs> like what? And yeah, I think there's something beautiful in what he's saying here, even though there's some heaviness to it. I chose you. But Jesus looks at us and says, I, I want to invite you into something totally new and different, but you got to understand there's a cost. It will put you at odds with the ways of this world, but those are broken ways, and I want to lead you into something better, into a new life. And what's amazing about this first group of followers that he said this to, they all chose Jesus. And almost every single one of them, except John, who's writing this account of Jesus' life, paid with their blood. It cost them their lives to follow Jesus because they chose him. They thought he was worth it. They thought he was more valuable than the ways of this world. And this is why Jesus says in the next chapter to this same group, hey, in this world, you will have trouble because it's a broken messed up world that's running in its own direction and god is saying wrong way life is this way and jesus shows up in the story and says follow me do you, do you realize what he's like i chose you so many times in my journey of following jesus i'm like hey i picked you for my team jesus so let's do it let's go this way and jesus is like no no time joel come here come here oftentimes i, I hear him say little man to me in a kind way. L little man, come here. I chose you. You're on my team. This is the way we're going to go. Oh, but Jesus, I don't know if I want to go that way. That, that looks like it might be hard. That might put me at odds with other things in this world. And Jesus is like, but that's the path to life. Because remember what, what Jesus said in, in John 10. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. Life to the fullest. The path to life is always going with Jesus, even if it puts us at odds with other people or the things of this world. It's why Jesus said 
that if you hold to my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, the path to life, the path to freedom is always going with Jesus. But it's not always easy because this truth exists that sometimes living for God will put you into the lion's den. And I don't know about you, but when those moments come, it creates within me a dilemma. (laughs) And the dilemma is, is fairly simple to understand, but really hard to wrestle with. See, the dilemma is this. When living for God gets dicey, am I going to go with God or am I going to go the way of the world? That's the choice, right? And almost every single time, I don't know about you if you've, as you wrestle with this, but every single time that dilemma surfaces, it's, it's going to have a cost to it. And, and I realize maybe I just want to back down. Maybe it would be easier to back down because I think as we're wrestling with that dilemma, we may never articulate it or say it out loud or say it in our own mind, But as we're wrestling with the dilemma, you know what we're really saying? God, why would I choose you if it's going to cost me in this life? Like, God, are you really worth it? That's the wrestle, right? Like, God, are you really, really worth it? And like Daniel, when we're faced with this dilemma, we have to make that decision. God, no matter what the cost is, I'm going to choose you because I believe you're it. I believe you have the life that you've come to give me. And see, it's not just choosing God that has a price, though. I think there's something important that we need to understand. Because choosing to back down from the life that God has for us also has a consequence. See, whenever we're faced with a dilemma, there's something important to understand about dilemmas. Every dilemma will require a response. There's no real neutral when you're faced with a dilemma. So either you go left or you go right, right? You go with God or you back down from what God wants. That's the dilemma. And every dilemma, we have to make a choice. And every choice, every response has a consequence. So if I say yes to you, God, and I go with what you want with my life, with what you've done for me, there's going to be a consequence. But if I say no, God, or not on this one, and I'm going to do my own thing, guess what? There's a consequence. Either one has a consequence. And we have to see what we're going to do. And so when we choose to back down, what actually happens is we will miss out on what God wants to do in our life and through our life if we choose to go with him. And so here's the great tragedy of backing down that, again, I think we miss. The great tragedy is that we often choose to back down because it feels safe. It feels safer than if I had chosen to trust God and go with him. It feels safer because we think that somehow in this moment, on this issue, this topic, this struggle, whatever it is, if I just back down or go the way of the world, it feels safer. Because I think at some level we think that will actually lead us into the life we want. Jesus, I know you said you'd come to give me life to the full, but on this one I think this feels safer. I'm going to go this way. I think it's going to lead me in the life that I want. And so we back down from what God desires, and we begin to compromise. We do it in all sorts of areas. Like, God, am I really going to trust you with my finances? Am I really going to trust that, that you've blessed me with resources in this world so that I could choose to be a part of your kingdom and choose to support and, and fund the things that you want to do? Or do I think I'll actually be happier if I use it all for myself and pursue my own thing? Gosh, we, we do it with our sexuality all the time. 
Like, God, do I really trust that what you are calling me to is what is best? Or do I think I'll be happier if I pursue my own thing and do what I want on my terms? Man, we do with our future all the time. God, do I really trust that where you're leading me is good, even though the road is hard? Or do I say, no, I don't want to do what you want. I'm going to do my own thing and miss out on what you have for me. And see, Daniel could have easily have done this. I mean, come on, it's like one month. God, I'll see you on the other side. I'm not going to pray to anyone because I'm not going to compromise, but I'm not going to pray to you because I don't want to get in trouble. And so I'm just going to shut down for, I'm going to do a 30-day God fast. (laughs) But who knows what that would have cost him. Instead, he said, God, I'm going to trust you. Because to do the other thing will always have a consequence. And there's a consequence to this. Because the reality is that choosing to go the way of the world, no matter how safe or fulfilling it might seem, will never truly satisfy us. It can't. Because if it could, why hasn't it? Stop and think about that for a minute. Think about the people in our world and our culture who arguably have it all. Those are our celebrities, right? They seem so happy, don't they? It just seems like the more they have, the less they find the life they're looking for. I I love how the great Canadian philosopher puts it, Jim Carrey. (laughs) I hope everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer. That's profound from somebody who had it all. I mean, maybe not Ace Ventura 2, but prior to that moment, (laughs) right? See, the reason the world can never fulfill us is because we were not made to live for this world. We were made to live for God. That's what God did when he created us, when, when he breathed his breath of life into us. We, we were created so that we could know him and walk in relationship with him and reflect his beauty and goodness and truth to one another and to the world around us. That our greatest joy in life would be that we belong to him and we would know him. And when we choose anything other than him, it will never give us the life we long for. That's why John writes these words in 1 John 2, 17. He says, The world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God will live forever. It's like John saying, the world is a bad bet. It will always be a bad bet. But even though it may look like the odds are stacked against you, God is the only sure bet there will ever be if you choose to go with him. And see, when we back down from living what God desires from us, even though it might seem like that's the scary choice, we actually miss out on experiencing the life God wants to give us. He had walked 8.1 miles to get to this moment and staring at these cables. And it was a grueling hike. And he didn't finish it. He chose to stay there on the horseshoe saddle thing 
Well, the rest of us did the 0.1 miles and got to see the beautiful country and the beautiful sky to rest breathlessly in those heights. You see, I, I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. But we have to wrestle with this reality. So let me ask you this question. What if the path that will actually lead you to your greatest life, the life you truly long to live, means trusting God, even if that leads you into the lion's den? What will you choose in that moment? Because yes, sometimes living for God leads us into the lion's den, but it's in the lion's den that we get to experience God at work in our lives. And see, this is why I love heroes like Daniel, because they show us what it looks like in all the struggle and all the challenge, but they show us what it looks like to say yes to God and see what God is going to do in the midst of it. What it looks like to trust God even when it gets scary. And I love this, what we see in his story. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. And you know, if that's where the story ended, do you realize Daniel still wins? Do you understand that? That even if this was the end of his life, it's not the end of his life because God has a bigger life for him. Death is not the end of the story. And I think we miss this so many times. Like so often we let fear determine our choices. We let fear determine what we're going to do. Will I choose to participate in church or step back and, and wait for the world to get safe again? The world will never be safe enough. But will we choose to step into the things that God has for us? And sometimes God just likes to show off. And this is not the end of Daniel's story. Because sometimes God's just like, Daniel, bro, I got this. Watch this. <laughs> And so the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Isn't it amazing that the guy who's sleeping in the posh palace can't sleep? And the guy in the lion's den, we don't really know what's going on yet. But like maybe it's better to be with God in the lion's den than to be in the palace without him. Interesting, right? And so very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den and when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, because he loves this guy. Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, screw you, king. <laughs> That's what I would so want to say in that moment. <laughs> That's why I'm not in the Bible. And I love Daniel's answer. Long live the king. Like he gives respect and honor. Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. I love it when God shows off 
when God wants to actually do something through our lives, not just for us, but for the benefit of those around us, to show us how great, show the world around us how great he is. And you can read the rest of the story. Darius is so overjoyed. But guess who he's really angry with? All those advisors, right? And he takes all of them and their families and throws them in the lion's den, and the lions killed them all. Woo! Darius, not a good man. Daniel, a good man. <laughs> and then Daniel goes on to continue serving faithfully until God finally calls him home. And it's amazing when you see this story that trusting God always pays off. Always pays off. Even if it's hard in the moment. Even if it costs us in the moment. Even if it means facing a den of lions. And so let me ask you this question. What's your lion's den right now? Where is trusting God getting kind of dicey for you right now? Where is being faithful to the life he's calling you into? Where is following Jesus getting intense for you? Because the question you got to wrestle with in that moment is this. Is he worth it? Is he worth what he's come to give to me? So what are you going to choose in the face of that dilemma? What are you going to choose as you're wrestling with the things that God is wanting with your life, that he's entrusted to you? Do you believe that he is good and he will be faithful? Because the life that you're longing for is never found in backing down. The life you're longing for is found by trusting him. Because in the face of this challenge, what if there's a lesson God wants to teach you about how great he really is. But if you never give him the chance to show up, you'll never see it. What if in this thing that you're facing, there's something new that God actually wants to grow in you, a greater strength of character or a formation of your faith in a way that you never saw possible? If you back down, you'll miss out on what that is. What if the life that he wants to lead you into is found by walking with him into that lion's den so you get to see what he wants to do in your story? And maybe it's not just about you. Maybe it's for the people around you. That there will be people that will come at you like enemies and you don't treat them like enemies. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the dark things in this world. That's what we're told in the scriptures. And so we're not at odds with the people of this world. We just don't embrace the ways of this world. And we trust that in the long run, God will show something through our story. What if that lion's den is about you having influence in the people around you who don't even like you right now? Because somehow, some way, God's going to show his greatness through your story. And there will be some that will be like, oh, because they see your faithfulness today. How amazing is that? That going with them into the lion's den is a way to let him show off in your life. I love how one of the early Christian leaders, Paul, writes this as he's summing up one of his letters to the first Christians. He writes these words. He says, do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Like God's good. No one's getting away with anything. So don't believe you can. He says, you will always harvest what you plant. Okay, that can go really good or really bad, depending on what you're planting, right? (laughs) You will always harvest what you plant. So those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature because there's no life in that life. It will only lead to brokenness. 
but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest an everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So friends, whatever you're facing today, I can't, I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your challenge is. I don't know what the lion's den is for you. But the only thing I can tell you is he's worth it. He's worth it. Because you're going to see his greatness shine through your life. You're going to see his greatness shine in your story. He is worth it. Here's what I can tell you about the rest of this year. 2022, it's going to be rough. Take that to the bank. (laughs) I don't know when this pandemic's going to end. It looks like some good news is coming out this week for us. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> right? Like two weeks from now, we're all going to be like in bubble suits. I don't know what this is going to look like. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be challenging. I know it's going to be crazy. I know as we seek to navigate it the best we can, some people will like our choices and some people won't like our choices. Our attitude is not the middle finger. Our attitude is, God, I want to be faithful to you. So let me have a spirit of love to those that I'm in disagreement with. So through my life, you show me, you show them your goodness. I, I don't know where you're going to struggle with following God in areas of your life that are at odds with the ways of this world. And some people will look at that and just think your world, you're weird. Some people will look at that and they'll want to cancel you because that's what our culture is right now. It is fierce. It is mean. It will cost you. But the way to have influence isn't to capitulate to the world. It's to show the world something different. It's to show the world what faithfulness to God looks like. A God who is so great that you trust he will do something in and through your story for the sake of those around you. Because Jesus who said in this world you will have trouble didn't finish the sentence there. He said take heart. I've overcome the world. You belong to me. You're on the winning team. Let's keep playing the game. Let's not give up. It's not halftime. We got a whole other quarter to go. The world needs to see the goodness of me, and I want to show them that through you. So God, we want to come to you right now, and we want to stand before you in this moment and say, come what may this year. We choose you. We choose you because we believe you are worth it. We believe that you will do something great in our story. But God, it is freaking some of us out right now. Because when I said yes to you, Jesus, I didn't know I was saying yes to a lion's den. But thank you that there is nothing we will face in this world that is greater than you. And so we choose you. So please help us to live out that choice every single day. Because we need to see your goodness and your greatness in our story. Father, I want to pray for anyone who is in the thick of it right now. God, would you strengthen? Would you whisper words of hope and life to them? Could they be reminded of the goodness of you? Why, Why they chose you in the first place? Because you chose them for new life. 
God, for anyone who's on the fence, who's, who's potentially wanting to walk away from you right now, would you come close and remind them that you are a giver of good things? It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. So here in this place, we want to affirm that as we continue into this year, we will build our lives on you. You are a sure foundation. So Father, would you come and meet with us in this moment? Come and give us the hope of the life you have for us. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.